decide that you're the juiciest peach on the tree and just accept that not everybody loves peaches. Right? <laughs> so you're just you're just looking for whoever really appreciates the peach that you are. This is episode number 532 with Elaine Goldhammer, how to prepare your brain for more fun in dating and who doesn't want to have more fun in dating. I think people really have gotten to the point where dating is a drag, dating feels like hard work. So I am excited to have this conversation with Elaine. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date and to support you on your journey to lasting love. I wrote a book called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And whether you're single or in a relationship, this book will inspire you to play a bigger game and succeed in all areas of life and love and really increase your self-worth, your self-confidence. You can find it on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And every week I share a tip from the book. This week's tip is actually very apropos. And I don't do these tips on purpose to go with these, <laughs> with the uh, episode, but this one happens to fit perfectly. And it's step number three, be playful. We do not play enough. And today we're going to be talking about playing in terms of dating, but in general, like how often do you laugh? How often do you access the inner child, which to me is one of the best parts of ourselves that we kind of abandon along the way. So my challenge to you is to find some way to just let your hair down, so to speak, even if you don't have a lot of hair and be more playful, have fun. And before I bring Elaine on, I want to give a shout out to my Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. If you're not yet a member, come on over and join us there. It's for women over 40 who are interested in self-growth along the journey to lasting love. No, no victim mindset. It's really a place to grow and learn along the way to your last first date. So join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Elaine Goldhammer. She is a doctor, a physician. She became a hypnotherapist and life coach, and she works with clients' subconscious and conscious brains. Her practice helps clients get past their inner struggles to live a life of less anxiety, fear, and reactivity, which is all awesome. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Um, and uh, we were just talking, I've been listening to your podcast uh, since I was divorced and figuring it all out. And you've had such a big impact on my life. And so it, it's really full circle for me to be here. Well, I'm so excited that you're here and that my podcast made a difference. And I, I'd love to hear some ways that it did become, like you said in your notes to me, that it was a lifesaver in your personal life. Tell us a little bit about where you were when you started listening to the podcast and how it helped. Yeah, I was uh, 51, 52 when I was divorced um, and I have three kids. Uh, two of them were still in high school and, and one was on her way to college. And I felt very alone. Like I didn't, no one talked about their divorces uh, openly at work and I was, was working all the time. So I didn't know a lot of people in my personal life that 
had gone through divorce. And so hearing that other people were going through this and not feeling so alone was such a huge impact for me. There were so many lessons that I learned from your podcast, but I, I, uh, I thought of a few of them. One was that you gave me permission to seek out men without advanced degrees. And that was such, such a big difference. Like there are a lot of really smart people out there who aren't physicians or have PhDs or, you know, and so forth. Um, So I, you know, having permission to do that was a huge advantage to dating. I also learned in that process not to damp down how how powerful and how intelligent I was. You know, at first I was really scared I was going to scare men away by showing all the things I did in my community and, you know, that I was a physician and so forth. But what I learned was that you want to scare away those people (laughs) that are scared of that. (laughs) Like, of course, you only want to attract people that are attracted to who you actually really are. So, uh, you know, just listening to what other people said also gave me permission to just show who I really was. Um, And then another thing, I, I love it when you have the men on your podcast. I really learn a lot from them. And one of them said something that really helped me out a lot was that um, that a lot of men don't have close friends and also don't have people that really listen to them or compliment them. So learning to compliment men in a sort of honest way was such a such a great way to um, get dates, really. You know, mm. <laughs> just giving a, a, a genuine compliment on those dating apps like that. They're like, oh yes, I want to, I want to spend more time with her. So that was uh, not that I was manipulating anyone, but it was just, it was just sort of nice to know what men on the other side of the table, what they wanted or what was felt, felt good to them. My biggest lesson that I don't know, I mean, I, you know, it was all a gestalt, whether I learned it from your podcast or from just the experience of, of me dating is that men were not interested in saving me. Like that was the biggest lesson I think was I, I when I was first divorced, I, I I had this underlying thought, like, shouldn't someone be saving me or helping me? And, you know, I just really learned that. No, there, no one, no one is interested in that. You know. <laughs> so then it just really helped me tune into, well, what is it that I really want? Yeah. I just wanted companionship and I didn't want to make it that complicated. So, um, yeah. So those are uh, like the biggest tidbits. I feel like I learned that really helped me from listening to your show. Those are great. Those are actually some of the highlights of what I teach. And I think one of the biggest things that trip people up is the whole, he has to have advanced degrees. I can't tell you how many women have missed out on opportunities to connect with amazing, smart, accomplished men who don't have college degrees even, you know, even a bachelor's degree, let alone a master's or a PhD or an MD or lawyers, accountants, there are brilliant people. And we can name many in who are famous, like Steve Jobs, who never finished college. And um, so that that's a great one. I'm glad you highlighted that. And I I agree with you about the accomplishments. I think there's uh, just to kind of put a little bit of a caveat on that, that when 
we shouldn't be diminishing who we are, but also if we lead with our accomplishments, and I used to do this with, oh, I'm, you know, I accomplished this and I accomplished that. People are not dating your resume, they're dating you as a person. So while you don't want to diminish who you are and what you've accomplished, you also want to lead with your warmth, your personality, your passions, who you are in a relationship is not a, an MD or an hypnotherapist or any of the other things that we accomplish, which are great, but you also don't want somebody who's intimidated or scared by who you become, right? So I just wanted to kind of put that out there. Yeah, that's, that is a really good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I sort of, I guess, thinking back, because uh, I've been in a long-term relationship now for uh, two to three years. So yeah, mm-hmm. right. I, I trickled it in at during the dates. Like I didn't like put it on my dating profile per se. Um, but sometimes when I sort of let those things out, the the men would say, oh, well, why didn't you put that on your profile? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, it, it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten into trouble with men by telling them what I do because they, all they want to do is talk about their dating struggles and uh, have me be their dating coach. Oh, no. And, or I had a guy once, it was, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast and I might have, but I had a guy who looked me up based on what I told him that I was a life coach and I, he had my first name. That's all he had. And the city I lived in, he looked me up and he comes into the date and he said, I'm really angry at you. And I said, why? And he said, cause you kept me up all night. I looked you up and there was so much about you on the web. And he pulled out of his pocket notes that he had taken. <laughs> it was the creepiest thing. <laughs> and then he started telling me, not just about my accomplishments, but about my family and what my kids' names were and where he thought I lived. And thank goodness he was wrong about a few of those things, including where I lived. That was actually my old home, which creeped me out. And so I started to be a little more careful about what I put online and not share certain things, including my city. And uh, I even changed my name on a dating app because I was so scared of people finding out stuff and creeping me out and stalking me. Anyway, um, but that's that's just totally off topic now. So let's let's talk about how do we prepare our brains for more fun and not attracting creepy people who bring notes to dates. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it goes back to, I mean, it sounds like a, a cliche trope, but, you know, just knowing yourself and knowing what you want and uh, deciding ahead of time that you are lovable from the get-go. You know, so I think so much of the problem uh, that we struggle with is looking to the other person to prove to ourselves that we are lovable and so one of the biggest lessons that uh, I, I try to teach people is that when you are born, you are lovable. You don't have to look for that from outside access at all. So once you really understand that, then it makes it so much easier to have fun and date because then all you're seeking is, am I going to have a good time. Am I going to enjoy this other person? Um, are we going to connect? Um, so I guess there's, I guess it's really two steps now that I'm thinking about it. One is understand 
that you are lovable. And as in my teaching, decide that you're the juiciest peach on the tree and just accept that not everybody loves peaches. Right? Mm-hmm. So you're just, you're just looking for whoever really appreciates the peach that you are. That is such a wonderful way to just enjoy other people and see see who you can bring in. See see who wants you know wants to enjoy enjoy all the fruit that you are. So somebody may be looking for a mango and not a peach, and right. that's okay. It's okay, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. It's just another fruit. And then right, and then the other thing is like really decide what you want. You know, and I think in in middle age, not all of us want like a traditional partner who shares all the chores and does all the things like, you know, for me, um, I was really just thinking, I just, I just didn't want to be, uh, I had two mantras. Like, I don't want to be bored. And um, I just want someone who's like kind to me. Like, you know, I, <laughs> I spent 20 something years with someone that was like consistently pretty mean and nasty to me. Like, so, you know, that's a really, a really, you know, sounds like a low bar, but you know, it really, it really isn't. I mean, I think it's just important um, that you find someone that's kind to you. And so, you know, when you show up that way, you yourself have to be kind and open and generous and, um, and willing to, to listen. And when you, and people, I think, reflect each other's personalities and reflect each other's attributes. So if you show up that way, then it's very likely that they'll be that way back. And then you also have a radar, like, you know, if they don't seem to be seeing that and, and creating that, then, you know, all right, well, that's, that's not your guy. Yeah. You bring up a lot of really good points. We often don't believe in ourselves. We don't know who we are. We don't believe in our self-worth. So we settle for the crumbs of attention we get I find also so many people are afraid to speak up and say what they want or say, this isn't working for me. Even to say this makes me happy and see if a person can follow through and do what makes you happy because they're paying attention. But yeah, I think to to um, take out all the pressure of dating to, uh, like you said before, to be saved and to date, to have fun and connect and see if a person has those qualities that really matter. I think people need to really strip down that list. I just did a webinar last night about this and how we often have very unrealistic expectations for partners. And when you can strip it down to the qualities in a person that would really make you happy and be interesting, it's like sort of interesting and interested are both important. And so you also bring out that, whatever you need and want, you should be the same. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that brings up one of the concepts I have called the manual where we all, and we all do this, like we all have this manual and we expect people to behave this way, this way, this way, this way. And if they don't follow the manual, then we take it as uh, an insult to ourselves So like the classic example that's very simple is like, we all want to stack the dishwasher a certain way. And that if the other partner doesn't stack the dishwasher exactly as you want them to, 
then it's easy to like make it mean, oh, well, you really don't care about me, right? Because you're not stacking the dishwasher exactly as I specified. But, you know, the problem with having a manual is you give all your power away. So if you rely on the way another person behaves to dictate how you feel, and then you're relying on another human being and the, you know, there's so many problems with that, you know, one, right. You're, you're, you're giving your power away to other humans, which never works. The other is that, you know, often people just don't know your manual. They don't know like what all the rules are. So it's easy to be disappointed. So, you know, humans are just going to be humans. And so we just allow them to be human beings and they're going to mess up. They're going to be annoying. You know, I mean, no one is ever going to behave the way you want them to behave. And often these manuals are bigger than the manuals that we have for ourselves, you know, (laughs) or, or we, you know, that, or we have manuals for ourselves that are also unrealistic. So the key to that is just, you know, throwing away the manual, let them be human beings, let ourselves be human beings, and we're all going to mess up, or we're all going to hurt each other from time to time. But, you know, in the long run, like, are you enhancing each other's lives? Are you enhancing your own life? And right in the end, like you said, like, you know, just those are the qualities that you want to look for. It's interesting that you talk about the manual because I actually have created what I call uh, an operating manual. And I give that to clients to fill out for themselves Mm. so that they can share with other people that they're dating. This is important to me, or this is how I operate best because we expect people to know these things. So I like that you bring the manual in. It's these unspoken expectations that we have that people are just going to know that we need quiet time to recharge or that we want the dishwasher loaded a certain way and certain things you can let go of. Like, does the dishwasher actually have to be loaded exactly the same way as you or is it good enough that somebody is just freaking loading the dishwasher? Right? Right, right. <laughs> They're trying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember yeah. even when I was a young mom and my husband would take the kids out and I would get upset if he didn't remember all the things in the diaper bag or he took them someplace that I thought would tire them out too much and it wasn't what I would do. Well, who cares? He took the kids. And being able to just appreciate that somebody's doing something kind for you instead of what your manual says or your rule book says somebody should do in order to make you happy. But this comes up actually at the very beginning of dating where I hear women say, he didn't plan the date. He said, tell me what you want to do. And then women go, well, if he liked me, he would actually not be so lazy, right? So we're already putting labels on people. What if he just wants to make you happy and is checking in with you and you're you're already making up a story, right? Right. Or if you just express that, like, you know, like I like it when the man plans the date, you know, I, I that's, you know, these are the things I like to do. And, uh, you know, I'd like it, you know, I'd like you to set it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, because I think it it does get confusing because you think, well, if you throw away the manual, then you're going to let people walk all over you. 
but that's, you know, that's different. I mean, that's, you know, if you're, if you're clear and communicate and are so good at setting boundaries, which means knowing what you want or don't want ahead of time, you know, it just, that kind of communication makes it go so much better. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. How can somebody know if they're dating just for fun, like a casual dating or for a long-term relationship or even ready to start dating? Because so many people say, I'm just not ready yet. You have to figure out what you want first. Um, before you just jump in, uh, you know, I certainly made that mistake of letting men lead the dating first and, uh, and, uh, before deciding what I really wanted. So it's good to just pause and just say, yeah, are what are you really looking for? Are you looking for companionship? Are you looking for, someone to save you. And if, if that's the case, I would suggest that you are not ready to date uh, as we were already talking about. Um, but yeah, if and it all, all dating has to start out as casual dating. So, and why not make it fun? Why not make it an adventure? And the other thing is just you have to set aside time for it because it is time consuming. And I know a lot of women with between careers and raising kids, it's it does, you know, it, it we're busy. So you have to really create an intention of dating. And I would suggest creating the intention of casual dating first without looking for a long term mate, because as you casually date, eventually that long-term person is going to become more obvious to you to make it fun. You can, you know, our brains are just designed out of narratives. So if you create the narrative that this is, this is going to be hard, um, this is going to be painful. (laughs) I don't, or uh, there's really no one out there for me, then what, then you're going to create that narrative for yourself. But if you just create the narrative, like this is my next adventure, I'm learning, this this is gonna be fun, you know, and what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is, you know, I have a meal and I'm bored or he's obnoxious or he doesn't show. And then you just move on to the next one. You know, best case scenario is you have a nice date and, you're you're ready for another date with that same person and you're just enjoying it um so if you're if you create joy and you know i really if you think about it i mean what's what's life all about if you know if you are looking for a companion 
And I think joy is one of the most important things to foster in our own lives. So if you're not creating joy with the person that you're spending time with, then uh, I don't know, to me, I, joy is a priority. And why not make a priority? I think that's such a human need, you know, and especially for women in your audience that are middle-aged, you know, we're done with all that work of create, of raising our kids. You know, you, you could argue that it's, it's never really quite done, but we're at that point where, you know, they can take care of themselves, you know, then yeah, create joy in your life, create something that's fun, create something that you want to be doing. And, and there's nothing more fun than creating that with a, with a, a companion that you can also have sex with. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think that's, you know, I think that's really, I, I, to me, that's, uh, it's just so, that's such a fulfilling part of life. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people tolerate relationships that are not bringing them joy. And when you look deeply within, there are so many, so many things that get in the way of us having healthy relationships. So tell us a little bit about hypnotherapy and how, it works to heal trauma and help people get back to joy, get back to the flow, get back to having fun in dating. Yeah, so um, it's our sub our subconscious minds is where all these narratives are created based on our childhood experiences. So we learn at a very young age, um, you know, survival skills really of how to be loved, how to connect. And when you're a young child, if you think about it, that's that's your survival is you need to be paid attention to in order to survive. You're relying on the people around you to house you, feed you, protect you. There's so much crappy parenting out there, you know? <laughs> and so our brains don't always learn great lessons about how to attach and how to create safety. Um, and so with hypnotherapy, uh, what we do is we unravel all those stories and reframe them and uh, basically upgrade that child to understand that they are safe, they are lovable from the day that they are born. And their only job to do really is to breathe and stay alive. As, and all these mechanisms that our brains created to try to protect us don't really apply anymore when you're an adult. And so, yeah, the hypnotherapy just really speaks to that part of the subconscious mind that wants to be reassured that it's safe. And then once we have that safety, then it makes it so much easier to, again, you know, drop all the manuals and uh, be able to um, decide what your narrative is going forward. So how did you get into hypnotherapy? Um, I think like most people that go into these helping fields, you know, I was, I was looking for answers myself and um, as a physician, I, you know, I always end up in these uh, programs where like uh, I, I, I get trained to be the healer, the helper. Um, but, you know, of course I, I'm also seeking answers for myself. And so I was very drawn to um, Marissa Peer, who is the uh, uh, rapid transformational therapy 
person who helped train me in this particular type of hypnotherapy, which is rapid transformational therapy. And so, um, so I sought that and then became a practitioner. Um, and, and, you know, as I was learning more about it, I saw the power of power of that and understanding the subconscious brain is really so helpful in so many ways. Um, you know, beyond, uh, just, uh, this, what we're talking about in finding joy, but even things like physical pain, emotional pain, it helps really solve all of those things. Um, uh, not, a, not that it's a cure all, you know, I'm not saying that it's like going to cure all pain, but, um, it's, it's such a helpful tool. Yeah. I like Marissa Peer's work a lot. I totally had forgotten about her until you brought her up just now. But it's powerful work if people want to watch. I think she has a really powerful TED Talk, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's very cool. And I think that when we seek for ourselves, we often become the teacher who can then pass it down to other people, which is really very empowering and helps us heal even further. Uh, I know that's been my experience in what motivated me to become a dating coach was my own dating struggles and relationship struggles. And I learned so much by doing this work, by working with people and just seeing common patterns and how so many of us struggle with the same issues and how, when you get out of your own way, what magic happens, you know, how, how we can really access that joy, which having it in your own life first really helps you to access it and manifest it out in the world. And so it's, it's really powerful work. What are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date? A few things like drop, drop all the societal performative expectations and really tap into what you want. And, um, you know, and just, keep that radar open to someone that's enhancing your life rather than saving you or providing for you. Like who, who, who makes you more of who you are, who brings out who, and you know, who, and it could be, it doesn't have, it could just be something, something simple. Like do I, how much do I laugh when I'm with that person? You know, how do I feel when I go home at the end of the day? Do I want to see them again and trust that internal instinct? And then uh, the final thing I want to say is just be willing to allow the relationship to evolve. You don't have to rush anything. You know, just the only, your only job is to show up, be yourself, decide if you enjoy that person and let the relationship unfold from there. Love it. I think we have so many expectations that we pay attention to more than our own selves. And so that to me is so, so key. And you talk about feelings, how we feel with a person. We often have these checklists that are so unrealistic that have nothing to do with who that person is in a relationship so much healthier to connect on a feelings level than on a checklist level. 
And I love that you bring that up. Uh, people who laugh together have long relationships. You can see these older couples who are still laughing after 30 years of marriage. And that is one of the glues that keeps a relationship together. Elaine, this has just been so wonderful. And I am so glad you came on the show and you reached out to me. And uh, I would love for you to share one link where people can find you. Yeah, so on my website is uh, elainegoldhammer.com. There is a little quiz on there if you want to take the quiz um, about finding your saboteur, um, their subconscious uh, patterns that might be holding you back. And um, so I welcome every, you know, people love to take quizzes and just sort of learn a little bit something about themselves. So I encourage everyone just to check out the quiz. I love saboteur work. I think we, once we identify those saboteurs, it can help us access our higher self, which is really what's been there all along. And as you said, it's our birthright is love, to love and be lovable. And when you figure out your patterns and what your narrative is, you can get that out of the way, kick it to the curb and finally find a partner who brings out the best in you as you do in them. And that's what it's all about. Yes. So thank you so much, Elaine, sure. for coming on the show. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. This is lovely. And thanks everybody for listening. If you love our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It always helps. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.